My name is Jalen Kelly Powell. I play safety at Cass Technical High School. My name is Tariq Black. I'm a wide receiver from Cheshire Academy. My name is Donovan People Jones. I play wide receiver at Cass Tech. My name is Oliver Martin. I am a wide receiver at Iowa City West High School. Hello and welcome for the second year. It is the Michigan Insider Signing Day special. Glad that you're with us. I'm Ryan Terpstra hosting this thing and just trying not to get in the way of these guys. We have our man Sam Webb from the MichiganInsider.com. Alan Trues joining us as well from Scout.com. And we are here to break down Michigan's class. And Sam, what a class it is. There are some major talent. There's a lot of kids in this class. A lot to be excited for for Michigan fans. Yeah, no doubt. You, you start off with the job that Michigan did in the state of Michigan, and Allen will be able to speak to this. I, I think part of it is emphasis. After a year on the job, uh, I think Jim Harbaugh recognized the need to reclaim the state. Uh, it, it just so happened that it's a really, really good talent year as well, really top-heavy, uh, and Michigan did a great job of harvesting not only the top prospects, but they went down and got seven of the top 12 guys. And then they continue to show the ability to go out nationally and get out-of-region guys. I mean, you go out, you get a nationally ranked uh, quarterback like Dylan McCaffrey. That's a big deal. He was one of the earliest commitments helped put the class together. So uh, a, a guy that has, you know, went back to the model, the age-old model for Michigan, state, region, national, and he did it to a T. He did it in, to, an, to an excellent level again this year. Yeah, Alan, you and I were talking about high school football because we've both covered football in the state of Michigan for a number of years. And I think a lot of fans were saying, why isn't Michigan taking more kids out of the state, especially last year? And you said to me, wait for 2017. And uh, I think we all saw what happened now in 2017. Michigan taking a lot of kids and they're taking the best ones. Yeah, well, a couple of things there, you know, in the 2016 class, we just said some of those guys were Michigan State type kids. They they leaned that way for a long time where they were out of state type guys. And, and Michigan came in late on some of those guys because of uh, Jim Harbaugh being hired a little bit later in the process. When you look at some of these guys in this class, like Josh Ross being offered by Brady Hoke in 2014, you realize that sometimes these things go way back. And if a coach gets hired, you can't necessarily turn the tide of a kid who's been recruited by a school for the better part of two or three years by that point. And also the 2017 class, in my opinion, is one of the best classes we've had in recent memory in Michigan. And that's why I think you saw more emphasis this year. You may see less emphasis next year when the 18 class isn't quite as strong in state. And I know right away they did the pipeline nine thing and people went, is that such a good idea to name out nine guys like that? At that point in time, well, they got eight in-state guys, and seven of them, I think, were part of that Pipeline 9 crew. Deron Irving Bay is the only one that came up late, and and he didn't take any, any offense to it not being part of that initial group. So I, I think they did an extremely good job of recruiting the state in a year where it was good to do well in state because I thought the talent was at a really, really high level. Yeah, and the other thing that I think really helped that is you know they did well on the field, and Michigan State didn't. And so, you know, Harbaugh isn't used to being around in, in a space where Michigan State is as relevant as Michigan on the recruiting trail. But for the past 10 years, that's been the case. So you really had to contend with, with Michigan State as a factor for the top kids in the state. Well, the fact that they weren't very successful and Michigan was, that played into things too. So you had emphasis and success on the football field and a lack of success for Michigan State. All of those things added into a 
a marquee haul for Michigan. Absolutely, and and the marquee player, the marquee guy in this class would be Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's the number one player in the state. He's one of the top wide receivers in the country. And, Alan, you and I, whenever we saw this kid play, there was no doubt that the skills that he brings to the table at 6'2", 190, prototypical size, and a kid that you know is going to make an impact the minute that he gets on campus. Yeah, and a kid that was nicknamed the freak at Cast Tech, which at that school, that's saying something because they have top guys every year. And he came in as a freshman, and they were already saying, "Then this is the best athlete in our school, and maybe the best athlete we've had during this Thomas Wilcher era." And that's saying something. And I, I think he's a kid who has continued to progress as well. Uh, has added a lot of size. He was kind of a skinny, wiry kid when we first saw him. Now you look at him and. His arms, and he he's starting to resemble some of the guys he's been compared to, like Julio Jones and those guys. I don't think he'll ever get that big, but he's definitely added strength to his game. He showed me something this year. You know, we didn't have him as a five star off the bat, and part of that was I wanted to see what happened when they needed him down the stretch. Was he just a guy you bombed it out to, or would he be able to sort of will that team to victory as a five star guy should do? Well, an incredible catch against Utica Eisenhower to get his team. Uh, into another round of the playoffs, blows by Ambry Thomas in their one-on-one matchup in the PSL championship game, and then you know showed some grit and some things that I needed to see out of him down that playoffs. Just scored two touchdowns in the state title game, so he wasn't just a great athlete anymore. He had some of those intangibles that I was waiting to see from him, and I think all of that gives me some confidence heading into his Michigan career that he's going to be a guy that can see the field this year. Yeah, I think that when you looked at his measurables, and as a junior, I mean, a lot of people forget, as a junior in high school, heading into his junior year, he was rated the top athlete in the country, regardless of class, out at the Nike, at Nike's the opening out in Oregon. So he was competing against guys, you know, a year plus older than him, the best in the country in that class, and he was rated the best athlete out there. That's just off the charts athleticism. He has the size. He has the speed. Uh, you know, he's he's physical. The, the question that you had about him was, would that translate? Uh, and that's one of the things that I used to talk to Alan about. He's like, well, you know, do the measurables translate to big-time playmaking consistently on the football field? A guy like Ambry Thomas, who we'll talk about coming up, you just saw him be a playmaker game in and game out. Well, this year you saw, you saw Donovan Peoples-Jones do that as well. And, I mean, in the biggest moments. I mean, he, Alan talked about it on the – on the run to the to the title. I mean, he was they rode his back. I mean, you, you need a two point conversion to you know to, to win it. You're going to Donovan. And he was making plays like that all season long. That's the that's what you need to be if you're a five star prospect. You're a difference maker. And he was a difference maker all year for for Cast Tech. And he's the the caliber of player that can come in from Michigan and compete on the football field right away. Now the thing for him uh, that that might be the, the hurdle. It will not be physical. He will be one of the best athletes on Michigan's team the moment they hit the practice field. I mean, he's on campus now. moment they hit the practice field, he'll be one of the best guys out there. Route technique. You know, the, the, the technical aspects of the position, complex route trees and how to set up your route, all the things that are the nuanced part of being a receiver, he has to learn those things. That's going to be the – the hurdle for him in his freshman year. You, you don't get to just run past everybody anymore. You do have to learn those things. And as a freshman, you, we saw that learning kind of uh, curve is something that it takes a little bit, especially for these skill guys in the Harbaugh offense. But let's just say he doesn't, and I think he will. But let's just say he doesn't. I think um, 
you saw them just flip the ball out to Eddie McDoom at times last year. You hand it to him on a jet sweep. You can find ways to get Donovan Peoples-Jones still involved if he's not in those complex route trees. But I think he will because, oh, by the way, he also carried a 3.9 throughout his career. (laughs) That's one thing I wanted to to mention, too, is I think academics were a big part of why Michigan got him. And I know that his family was very behind this decision from that standpoint. And you've got a quality student-athlete coming through in him. I think it was what cinched it for him. That kid, he he told us when we talked to him down in San Antonio, he told us that he didn't have his mind made up until a couple of hours before it was time to announce it. It was down to Michigan and Florida State, and it, it came down academic. Distance wasn't a factor. He would go anywhere. Uh, you know there's good football down there. The bowl game is proof of that. Uh, but you you really had Michigan have a comprehensive academic plan. That went beyond the impact program, which is state-of-the-art. I mean, other schools try to copy what Michigan accomplishes with their with their training program, their academic plan for student-athletes. But they went the, a step further with him. I mean, he was basically doing an internship at the hospital. He was job-shadowing doctors. He sat in on, sh- on surgeries. He had, you know, had doctors on speed dial uh, for mentorship. So I think it was that. I, I think it was the life after football the, the doctor piece, his dad is a is a Michigan grad as well. I think at the end of the day, he said, you know what? I can play football at both places at a high level, but at Michigan, it, it's a cut above academically, and that's why he went there, I think. Let's go to the number two player in the state, and this is a guy that matched up a lot against Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's Ambry Thomas from Detroit King. A position of need, guys. Cornerback is uh, certainly going to be – uh, manned by some young talent this year on the Michigan football squad, and Ambry is somebody that Michigan's very excited about. Yeah, so immediately I think he's going to get compared to some of the other Detroit corners that have come out, the Desmond Kings and Jordan Lewis and some of the other guys, um, Dior Mathis, Terry Richardson, all of those guys that have come out. Well, former teammate Lavert Hill. Lavert Hill as well. I think he is more physically talented than all of those guys. He's taller than all of them, longer arms than all of them, uh, just as fast, maybe maybe not quite as fast as Dior, who was going to run in the Junior Olympics, but uh, still fast. Uh, in fact, ran Donovan Peoples-Jones down from behind on a play this year, earlier in the year, where that was the moment where I kind of went, whoa, you know, he can run. Uh, he, like Donovan, I think uh, the technical side of it is going to be the determining factor as to whether or not he plays. There's no question he's physically talented. In fact, I think he's as physically talented, if not more, than those guys they signed last year, David Long, Levert Hill. Those guys aren't as tall or as long as Ambry, and he's got great ball skills, was a great receiver in high school, was a great return man. He just isn't, in comparison him to Jordan Lewis, Jordan Lewis came in shorter uh, without the great blazing 40 time, but was very instinctive. Yeah, very (laughs) instinctive, and but technically was very ahead of the game, and Ambry's kind of the opposite of that. Um, But another kid who I think... In high school, look, he was doing all kinds of things for that team. He didn't concentrate on just playing cornerback. And I think once he gets into Michigan, gets into the strength program, and gets the coaching at the cornerback solely, the cornerback position, um, I think he's going to be really good. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily hold out on the possibility that maybe you find a few snaps for him elsewhere too, uh, maybe as a return man as well. You know, Ambry isn't rated a, a a five star prospect, but I think he has a chance to to be to make just as big of an impact as big an impact as Donovan Peoples-Jones. I, I, I think this kid is, you know, not just from a, a talent standpoint, but a temperament standpoint, is next level. He's big time. 
he steps on the football field and there's just no fear in him. He's the he he plays with the kind of swagger, with the kind of you know you know you know bounding confidence that that teammates feed off of. You know, I call it dog. And so he he steps on the football field, at, you know, for spring ball. And there are some guys that you would say would have a leg up on him with with an opportunity to start, like Lavert Hill, like David Long. And he's going to step on the football field, and it, there's going to be absolutely nothing given. He's going to think it's him. He's going to think he's he's the starter. As a matter of fact, I, I posed that question to him. Are you going to start? It? I'm starting as a freshman. And I know a lot of guys say that, but this kid really believes it. He has the talent to, to, to really back it up. And, you know, versatility-wise, Allen talked about what a great receiver he is. I think that's in his future at Michigan as well, getting some time on offense. Not early in his career. I think that's by his choice. He said he wants to get get dialed in at corner, uh, really learn the technique, as Allen uh, mentioned, because they'll be able to plug him in. He's plug and play as a bump and run guy. Where he where he needs to learn technically is in his off coverage technique, where whether it's off man or zone. You know, he he kind of at times kind of you know as far as the where his help is, uh, you know some of the some of the leverage. And, and, and coverage that he needs to maintain. Those are things that he's kind of loose with at times. Uh, but he'll get that because he's a high football IQ guy. But in the meantime, in the meantime, he'll be able to be a plug-and-play bump-and-run guy. Once he gets all that down, maybe year two or certainly by year three in the program, now you're going to see him get some time on offense and see his receiver skills, receiver skills that we've seen. The opening length. finals. Yeah, the opening finals, he was unbelievable. He was un- unbelievable. They didn't put him at receiver despite his his request to do so for the first couple of days injuries knocked out donovan people's jones knocked out a guy like nico collins they needed some receiver help they threw ambry in there he had four four touchdown receptions over 50 yards he was he was a dominant ball player he was ranked one of the top players in attendance based on that last day performance and you know i think it was good for him going against people's jones this year and then seeing him at army too some of the things you mentioned about understanding coverages I think another part of it was he trusted his physical skills too much at times and when I'm just going to be able to recover because I'm fast and I'm big but then he realized hey these guys are all fast and big too Um, I'm not going to just be able to run them down like I've been able to with some of these other guys so I think that experience is going to help him going into Michigan where everybody's big and fast uh, and he he's going to just have to be that much more on his game but no question that kid has the goods. Well, and you're starting to see how Harbaugh wants to lay out his defensive backs. Six foot one seventy five for Thomas. And then, you know, Benjamin uh St. Jude is six three. And uh these guys are big, they're long. That's what they want from their safeties as well. We're gonna get into some of that. I mean, it's kinda laying out that prototype for Don Brown and for Jim Harbaugh and what they want to see in their defensive backfield. Let's go to Josh Ross. You mentioned 2014, Brady Hoke gave him an offer. Yes, this is the younger brother of James Ross, Orchard Lake, St. Mary's. The bloodlines are there. And uh, Sam, this kid, you talk football IQ. I mean, it's hard to get higher than what Josh has. Well, it, you know, I look at Josh Ross and it makes me realize how how old I am. I've been knowing Josh Ross since he was in elementary school, you know, since we were covering his brother going back to his sophomore year in high school. That's how long we've known Josh. So we, we've known him since he was a, a kid, I mean a real kid. Uh, but, boy, he, is, he has turned into a physical football player. 
as physical, but with more size, as physical as, as his brother, but with more size. Uh, you know, that's the thing that, that kind of stands out with Josh compared to James. James was a, was a thumper. I mean, he was five, five feet 11, 225, 230 pounds, and he brought it all on every hit. Well, you give, imagine that plus a couple of inches. That's what you have with Josh Ross. Plus, I think he's a little faster and a little quicker laterally. So when it comes to tracking play sideline to sideline, he's more adept at doing that than his big brother was. His big brother was a very productive linebacker at Michigan, was able to play all the linebacker spots. Josh, I think, has the same football IQ, the same level of physicality, but is ahead of the game as far as his 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 stature is concerned. And I think that makes him a, a, a really a really uh, exciting guy to look ahead uh, to the future. You always love little brothers. They always seem to be bigger. They always got picked on and beat up on, and they always have something to prove. It's like you, you want to be recruiting those little brothers and put them into the, into the class. That was 100% the case here because when we saw him, he was always working out with James and with Terry Richardson and Royce Jenkins Stone. Those were the three amigos in that class, and Josh worked out with those guys all the time. So he, he was at that age already. I remember Terry saying, like, that kid's going to be a monster because he was keeping up with them in those workouts. And when you talk about the state, everybody starts with Peoples, Jones, and Ambry. I think Josh Ross got kind of done a disservice by not being mentioned in that conversation more. You ask people around the state who follow high school football, and they say there's a number of people who think he was the best player in the state this year. And uh, Sam mentioned some of the differences between him and James. I think where you saw it was that he played offense. He ran routes. Mm -hmm. He caught passes. James didn't do that in high school. He was a lead blocker as a fullback. When you saw what Josh could do in space on offense, I think you translate that over to defense, and you go, that that guy can do a lot of things. And he's coming in. um, We mentioned Peoples-Jones and Ambry being in a good position. Josh is in a great spot. Michigan needs linebackers. They need a Mike linebacker with Ben Gideon going. Uh, and, And I think Josh has every tool in the book that you need to be able to come in and play early. He's smart. He's physically ready to go. He's going to work really hard. It's a little bit of a shame that he can't enroll early being at St. Mary's to get that extra leg up. But not every guy. Chris Evans, I don't think, enrolled early no, last year, not. right? And so, and he played. I think Josh will be just fine, and, and I would be shocked if you didn't see him out there uh, at some point this year, maybe even week one. Well, guys, we need to talk about replacing some of these uh, seniors and then also the impact players in Michigan's classes. A lot of guys will be looking to maybe get some early playing time. Jabril Peppers, it's going to be very, very hard to replace what he was able to do out there in the football field. It will be Michigan's job to do so, Sam. What's it going to be like taking a guy that was uh, so unique to his position and trying to find a replacement for him? Yeah, I I think (laughs) you don't replace Jabril Peppers with one guy. Uh, you know, I, I think his his combination of 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 really high football IQ and unbelievable physical talent is just too much to think that you're going to be able to throw one guy in there and get it done. Uh, but they get some help in the recruiting class, and one of the guys that you point to is Jalen Kelly Powell. And you know, he's a guy, a three year starter at Cast, that is an IQ guy. He is a guy that we've seen not only line up at safety, he can play in the box. Uh, he was a very adept blitzer. He was a guy that we've seen uh, split out and cover uh, cover receivers on the corner as well. So he did a lot of the things that you saw Jabril do. So mentally, he could do that. But physically, he's a guy that's about 190 pounds. So, I mean, that's about a 25-pound difference uh, between between he and Jabril Peppers. I think with, with Jalen, 
you'll see you'll see it, with Jalen in the position in general, you'll see them be more situational. So in games where they need more coverage at the Viper position, you might see a little more Jalen Kelly Powell. In games where they need to be more stout in the box, you might see a more a, a bigger guy, maybe one of the one of the linebackers that that are that's uh, that are in the class, and we'll talk about them coming up, or a linebacker that's already on the roster. And here's the other thing to think about with Jalen Kelly Powell: they have a deep need at safety too. He's an experienced. Uh, that was the the position where he had his experience at in high school. Uh, you know, because he's an early enrollee, there's an opportunity uh, to really to really experiment a little more. Certainly, let him get his feet wet at, Vi- at Viper, but give him some time at safety as well. I think they'll do that because there might be a need for him at that position as well. I love that the term Viper entered our Michigan football vocabulary <laughs> this year. It's, it's fun to, to project You've guys from to that spur style. to buck to Viper now. So right. it's getting yeah. progressively cooler. I yeah, like it. It sounds a lot better than safety. Well, but. Alan, um, Jalen Kelly Powell's a guy that we've obviously been paying attention to for a while. And when I talk to the Cast Tech coaches before the year, they're like, "That's he's part of our staff. He's out on the field. He's calling our coverages. He's calling our plays. He's getting guys into position defensively. It's really something that stood out about him. It's funny you say that because I was just at a camp for underclassmen a few weeks ago, and he was out there coaching, and I watched him, and I said to him afterwards, I said, you might have a future at this whole coaching thing, uh, and that's and that's what he is. You know, he doesn't blow you away physically. You know, he's not small, but he's not the biggest guy. He's not slow, but he's not the fastest guy in the class, but he's extremely technically adept, and he always seemed to be in the right place at the right time, and I think, you know, one of the standout moments for me for him this year was Cass playing king and... Cast Tech deciding to move him out to corner and matching him up one-on-one with Ambry Thomas the whole game. And that's with Donovan Johnson, who's going to Penn State on their roster. That's with Kalon Gervin, one of the top 2018 cornerbacks in the Midwest out there. They put Jalen on him on an island, and he did a great job. And I think uh, that really stood out to me. He's versatile. He can he can play uh, several different spots, as Sam said. And he's also the answer to the trivia question, which guy in this class had the most offers? It wasn't Peoples, Jones, or Ambry. Jalen Kelly Powell had offers from almost 50 schools, and I think that versatility and the ability to adapt into almost any defense uh, and any type of scheme, I think that was really important for him. Sam, you mentioned some of the linebackers, so let's get into that. And uh, one guy that they pulled out of Florida, uh, unfortunately no more spring break trips to IMG, <laughs> but they got a guy in Jordan Anthony out of there. Six foot one, two 225, had a lot of offers down south, so maybe Midwest people not as familiar with him, but he's a guy that Michigan's very excited about. Yeah, so he's a, he's a Florida transplant like all IMG guys are. They come there from other places. He's originally from, from Maryland. Uh, and so, you know, winning that battle wasn't a it was certainly wasn't a foregone conclusion that that he was going to come back north and, and that if he came back north, that he was going to come up to Michigan. So they did a great recruiting job, uh, you know, coming down and and giving him uh, a vision, a vision for just how impactful he could be in, in their defense. He's a guy at six one two twenty five, uh, like you mentioned, that is tremendous in space. He's a tremendous tackler in space. He's a guy who plays with great speed. He's great in pursuit. Uh, he is a sure tackler. I think one of the things that I've been mo- most impressed by watching him, and I, I've been down to IMG uh, to watch them play, his change of direction. Uh, to be a kid that's 225 pounds, 
he's a guy that has the the kind of lateral quickness. He he'll do really well in the shuttle drill whenever you put him in it. Uh, that can really stay with with your backs uh, in space with, with a juke move. Where he's really going to have to progress is when it comes to uh, pass coverage. He has the physical tools to do it, uh, but it's just technique. As you see with, as we can say about most of the kids in the class, are uh, going to have to hone technique. And for him, it's honing technique and coverage. All the other pieces, I think he has them. I think he's a guy, when you talk about that Viper spot and wanting to be more physical at the position, wanting to have a guy who, against teams that try to get downhill on you, uh, can take on blockers, get off blocks and make tackles. He's going to be a kid that's going to be able to do that as a true freshman. Well, you talk about trying to replace the production of a guy like Jabril Peppers. How about going back to the Paramus pipeline to do that? And another linebacker guy in Drew Singleton is going to be on campus, and that's somebody that I think you go there and you're trying to get a Jabril, and you see this kid in the class behind him, and you're like, you know what? It would be nice to have yeah. you too. Yeah, you know, it's a striking similarity with, with Jordan Anthony. I think he's a little taller than, than Jordan. Uh, but I, you know, it's funny. I went down to watch Paramus play IMG. So, and in that game, what you really notice about uh, about Drew Singleton, he is an outstanding blitzer. I mean, there there are certain guys you send, and they just they blitz. But blitzing and getting there, that's a different. That's a skill. You know, do you know how to avoid blockers? Do you know how you dip your shoulder and get to the quarterback or the ball carrier? He can do that, and so. Uh, you know, just like Jordan Anthony, I think he's a guy with good change of direction. I think he's a guy with good speed, comparable speed to to uh, to Jordan Anthony. Jordan may be a little faster. It'll be interesting to see them in a foot race. Uh, but, man, as a blitzer, he's devastating. The thing about Drew that's a little different is he's coming off an ACL injury. So, you know, he missed the majority of his senior season uh, due to that injury. Been rehabbing, rehab going very well. Uh, he should be ready to compete as a as a true freshman, but there's going to be more rust on his tires uh, than than there are on than than there than there exists on uh, on a guy like Jordan Anthony who played his entire senior year. So there'll be you know he'll have to he'll have to get back uh, into the flow. Uh, but once he does, that's a guy, again, that I believe can help them as a freshman. And then for an extra look on Drew Singleton, we welcome in our friend from Scout.com, Brian Doan. Drew Singleton, the number five outside linebacker in the class, missed pretty much all of his senior season with a torn ACL. When healthy, though, he is quite the player. He runs really well, good lateral movement. He'll fill the hole in the running game. He's a guy that can blitz off the edge. He has size, 6'2", 215, to where he can match up with a tight end. He has the athleticism to cover, and he can get to the sideline and chase plays down. All right, guys, so we've touched on some of the big in-state recruits, and uh, we've also hit on a few of the guys now coming in to replace some key aspects on that Michigan defense. Let's go into some of the skill positions. And, Sam, you mentioned one of the keys to this class is a guy that committed very early and probably got a lot of pub because of his older brother. It's another younger brother commit, and this time Dylan McCaffrey, who's uh, entering college football off the heels of uh, the success of his brother Christian. Of course, his father, Ed McCaffrey, had a very successful career in the NFL. Uh, Dylan McCaffrey, six foot five, 205, prototypical build for a quarterback. He's got some exceptional feet as a quarterback to break down his game for us. Yeah, and his, uh, you know, his other brother uh, who went to Duke was called up uh, to play with the Packers uh, in the playoffs. So they are just a very talented family. His mom was a track star. His his grandfather was an Olympian. 
so an Olympic sprinter. So they they just have athleticism flowing. In Michigan their, offered the little brother, didn't they? Right, they offered yeah. his youngest brother. Uh, they just have athleticism flowing uh, through their veins. Uh, he's a kid who grew up loving Tom Brady. Tom Brady is his favorite player. That's the genesis of his affinity for Michigan. And so then when you add Jim Harbaugh to the mix, it was just too good for him to pass up. So he he committed quite early and helped Michigan put together this class. As far as his game is concerned, I mean, I think he's a kid that's just really scratching the surface, even more so than than some of these other guys. Every guy in the class has some some growth that he's going to experience when he gets to college or now that he's in college if you're an early enrollee. But with Dylan, he isn't close to filling out physically. Uh, you know, he's going to add 20, 25 pounds of muscle, I think. Uh, and I think it's going to contribute to him having more zip on the football right now. Uh, you know, I think what you really highlight in his game is his, he's a good, he has great touch. He's a great touch passer. Uh, you know, I think that he's a guy, you mentioned his, his athleticism. He's very mobile. He can extend plays. He can even, you know, as far as scrambling, he's not just extending plays to throw it. He can run down the football field some as well. Uh, but you want to see him get bigger physically. Uh, you want to see that translate into into some more of the arm throws, and I think it will for him as time goes on. But this is a guy, the pedigree is there. The football IQ is there. It's just a matter of physical maturation now. I know fan – oh, go ahead, Alan. Excuse me. I know he he mentioned dog with Ambry Thomas. Just in my little bit of experience, I didn't cover Dylan McCaffrey, but I saw him at some of these events. He, that kid is comp- – Competitive. Yes, he, he is a dog. They said they did some physical competitions at the Elite Eleven with all the top quarterbacks, and this guy almost threw up. He was competing so hard. That's and then it was meaningless, you know, sack race or something like that. That's the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of kid this guy is, and he's going to be a fascinating case study for me in evaluating quarterbacks. I think sometimes you overrate arm strength, and sometimes mm-hmm. you yeah, don't. Sometimes sometimes guys simply can't make the throws, but some guys some guys don't have you don't have to have a big gun to succeed. Brady is a great example of that. He's he's increased his arm strength as he's gone on, right. but intangibles versus physical traits at quarterback, and he he nailed it. He just nailed it right there because I I think you'll see the arm strength increase like you did with with Tom Brady, but can you throw with touch and timing? That's what makes Tom Brady special. Touch and timing. Well, we've seen some big-arm quarterbacks come into Michigan recently that just had trouble getting the ball to the receiver. And, yeah, you could throw it through a wall, but if you're not going to get it to them, then it doesn't help you. And having guys follow you in the huddle, and that seems like, and that's one of Brady's things is his competitiveness and his ability to lead these guys. And I think Dylan has some of the same intangible type traits. And even now, and he's playing basketball, and you see the competitiveness and the athleticism there. So I think he's got a lot of things there that might outweigh just everybody watches him throw the ball on air at some of these camps and says, "Well, that doesn't really look like some of these other guys, these top guys in the country." But like you said, you can throw the ball through a wall. But can you get it to the right guy at the right time? And are you a leader? And I think he's got those things. Well, I don't want to get us too off the rails, guys. But I got Sam Webb here, and Sam Webb has connections. And you get <laughs> Dylan McCaffrey coming into this class. People are excited about Brandon Peters, who redshirted. Mm-hmm. Wilton Spate is your returning starter. Mm-hmm. How do you see the quarterback mix for this year and maybe the next year or two? Yeah, look, I, I think I, I don't think there's any question that Wilton has a huge leg up. Uh, you know, he he. It's not just knowledge of the system anymore. Uh, now it's it's experience on top of that. And 
you think about late in the season, the guy now we know, uh, you know, how the seriousness, the extent of his his shoulder injury, and he was back out on the field anyway. That speaks to a team. Uh, and so when you talk about leadership, quarterback is inherently a leadership position. Uh, but when you put it on the line like that, when you play hurt uh, and, and your teammates know that you're putting it on the line for them, they'll follow you. So that's a lot for a young guy, certainly a true freshman to overcome, but even a redshirt guy like Brandon Peters. Now, Brandon will have a year, and it's a year and a half under his belt. He was an, he was an early enrollee, so he, he will have knowledge of the system down. Uh, you know, that that experience gap is going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what he does with the time he gets because he'll get on the football field. Uh, but how quickly can he get over the jitters? How quickly can he can he go out there and, and, and show that as far as combination of of arm strength and athleticism? He's the top one on the on the squad. I mean, he's the best blend on the team uh, physical talent wise. So Brandon Peters has a you know a ton of athletic talent. Uh, I think they're gonna he's gonna get some spot duty at the very least this year. It's just hard for me to see him at least at the beginning of the year overtaking a quarterback that's just led a team through the you know through the rigors of a season already. Uh, but you know Harbaugh play him. He played uh, you know Colin Kaepernick with the with the 49ers, right? But that's a great example of what we were just talking about with Dylan, where it's like you watched the four quarterbacks throw the ball during practice last year, and and Wilton was not the one that blew you away. John O'Corn, Shane Morris, and Brandon Peters can all hum that thing. And Wilton Spate played because of all of the other things that he brings to the table. And I think that's when you talk about Dylan McCaffrey, that mirrors that situation a little bit. Well, let's talk about some of the guys they could possibly be throwing to this year or down the line. Uh, Tarek Black... Big kid, six foot three, two oh eight. He loved the size. In fact, loved the size so much that Nick Saban tried to steal him away late in the process. Michigan holds on, and he makes it to campus. Sam, uh, tell us a little bit about this guy. Better than I thought he was. Uh, yeah, I admit it. He he was a top hundred guy. I think he was rated number ninety nine in the initial uh, in the before they re ranked. And we watched him at the Army All American game, and the kid can go. Uh, he's, he's, I think he's taller than six, three. Uh, he's a guy that speed wise didn't have any trouble getting on top of, of defensive backs. Uh, he can play the vertical game cause he's already, you know, a super tall guy, but he can do the jump ball thing. Uh, and then, I mean, he doesn't shy away. A lot of receivers don't like it when you get up in them, when you get your hands on them, he can get off the jam. He has more tools than I anticipated uh, did I expect him to, sh- to show uh, down there? So, again, we keep talking about guys having the physical ability to come in and compete. This kid does, and you can't shortchange him because he, he came from Connecticut. I think that was the other thing that kind of tethered the expectation for him uh, because you wondered how fast he was, and you wondered about his level of competition. And then he goes down to San Antonio against the best in the country at the Army All-American game, and he shows he's fast, and he shows that he can best – Great competition, and I know I was talking to Allen about it. He's like, man, this guy, at least for the first day in practice down there, right, Allen? He was the best guy on the football field. Yeah, and our guys who hadn't seen him before, that was, that was the real test is we have our guys from across the country come together there, and he was the guy they picked out immediately was who's 17, and that's without knowing who anybody is and, and on a field full of guys who are great players in a receiving core that had Donovan Peoples-Jones and some other top guys in it. He really stood out the first couple of days of practice. He he's a, and here's the thing to look out for him. Uh, you know, you you look for 
where kids get their edge from if they have one. And this kid is driven by the need to prove, the need to prove how good he is because of the things I said, people question his speed. P.O., you're from Connecticut. How good is the football there? And that was that's on his mind. I talked to his dad about it. He said, man, he, he wants to show that he's the best. He wants to show how good he is, and he did a damn good job of it down in San Antonio. Apparently the football is pretty good in Connecticut because Michigan's taken <laughs> a few players from that state. Uh, for a guy that has seen a little bit more of Tarek Black, we head to our friend Brian Doan. Tariq Black, the number 16 receiver in the 2017 class, the number 90 player overall. He did not get a ton of balls thrown his way as a senior at Cheshire Academy, and that's because everybody knew they wanted to get the ball to him. But still, he's 6'3", 210 pounds, great ball skills. He'll go up and get it, a red zone threat. He'll go over the middle. He can make guys miss after the catch. He's quick to put the ball away and get up the field. He is pretty much the complete package in a receiver, and he should be able to play as a freshman at Michigan. Let's talk Oliver Martin here, Alan, and a guy out of Iowa that I think a number of colleges thought they maybe would have in the fold, and then he ends up at Michigan. That late official visit really sealed it for them. Tell us about his game as he's kind of more of a slot type of receiver. You know, the opening really blew it up for him, but he was a kid that had a really great junior season and uh, just didn't maybe get the attention being at Iowa City West that he deserved. So he was a great player before the opening. That was just when everybody found out about him. And I think, like you said, he's a slot guy, but he can play outside. He's 6'1". He's, I know he gets compared to some of these other slot receivers, but a lot of the guys he gets compared to are like 5'10". This kid's 6'1", and a great athlete. He doesn't get the credit, I don't think, for being having the athleticism that he does. He tested really well at the opening, ran in the 4'5s. Uh, great leaping ability, multi-sport guy, great baseball player, great swimmer, just one of those guys who just you put him into anything and he does well at it. But uh, I think when you look at him, his position initially is going to be in the slot. Michigan's got some real size in the receiving core, more of it coming in. And when if, you know, I'll take Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones outside and Oliver Martin working the middle with those guys taking the top off of the defense, I think he's going to be a guy who is just going to be the thorn in the side of a lot of defenses because they're going to concentrate so much on those big outside guys. Oliver Martin will absolutely kill you in the middle of the field, and he did that at the opening. Guy caught ball after ball after ball after ball, and I think he's a kid who's going to have an extremely productive career. Would not surprise me if you saw him lead the team in receptions for a number of years. Well, I think, look, there are a couple of reasons why – his his profile was depressed. People stereotyped him. I mean, you you see wide receiver. Oh, he must be this slow. He must be this slow guy. Like people possession receiver. Yeah, he's this possession <laughs> receiver. And it, you know, it's a, it's a it's a lazy thing that and an unfair thing that a lot of people do. Oliver Martin is a ball player. He just gets open. I, I watching him at the at the opening against all of these super fast, quick, athletic guys. And he was running circles around him in, in the middle of the field. He got open routinely at will. I I see him as a guy. I mean, think about how how much success Grant Perry had when he was on the field. Oliver Martin is a bigger, stronger, faster, quicker Grant Perry. All the skill, all the things you saw Grant Perry do, this guy can do more. Uh, provided they, you know, everything works out that there there are no injuries and he makes the adjustment. Uh, from from high school to college and being away from home, which I don't think will be an issue. I mean, this kid just competes, man. I mean, there's a there is a a a certainty 
uh, about him uh, that when he steps on the football field, it's like he knows he's one of the best. The the the, the quarterbacks are going to love him very quickly. Dylan McCaffrey established a great rapport with him that I think any quarterback that plays with Oliver Martin is going to be able to to establish. And then here's the other thing, you know, the slot slot uh, position. A lot of people think it's just a chain moving position, and in many respects, it is. Uh, but if you watch Chris Hogan in the uh, in the playoffs there and what he did against the Pittsburgh Steelers, sorry, Allen, um, <laughs> it can also you if you have the right guy there, he can also be a big a big play threat. And I think Oliver Martin can. He he has mid four or five speed. As Allen mentioned, he's a great leaper. He is a guy that has lateral quickness and can make a move in space. He can be a playmaker in the slot. And I think he will be for Michigan. Well, remember what Jeremy Gallon used to be able to do in that offense out of the slot. And I mean, stature wise, he, he, he became an outside receiver yeah. late in his career, too. And I think Oliver, you know, I think don't just pigeonhole him into the slot. He can no. play other yeah, spots. Oliver is taller than Jeremy Gallon. Yep. There's a lot of things to be excited about with this class, Sam. Wide receiver really has to be one. We've talked about Donovan Peoples-Jones and Black and all these guys in there. And Nico Collins is just another – he's not another name because he's a great player. But in this one, there are some top-flight guys, and Nico Collins is one of them. I think think if Nico Collins had been in the All-American game or one of the All-American games, people would have come away saying about Nico what they're saying about Tariq Black, that, wow – we underrated this kid because I, I think there's this feeling out there that Nico Collins is slow. Nico Collins is a legit mid four or five guy. And the thing that I find most impressive about him is to be six five. He is extremely fluid. I mean, when, when you watch his when you watch him break down on a route and it's burst out of the break uh, out of a break, it's much like a receiver that that's five ten. I mean, he doesn't have to. He doesn't slow down and have have to gather himself uh, after he stops in order to in order to you know in order to run his route. It's one fluid motion. He's stopping, boom. He's into a route. So double moves. He's going to be able to, I think, really lose a lot of defensive backs. Uh, defensive backs that that doubt his speed. I think he's going to be a, be able to do a good job of getting on top of. And then he's six five, man, and can jump. He is an outstanding leaper. He can high point the football. I don't think the gap is as great as many people think it is between Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins. I think Nico and Tariq are very close to Donovan, and that's a scary proposition for the opposition. All right, another receiver we need to talk about, guys, is Brad Hawkins, who was part of the class last year. Ended up going to prep school to take care of some academic things, and now he's coming back to Michigan. So this is somebody that people maybe is, are a little familiar with, but what's the update on Brad, Sam? So Brad is a guy that, you know, originally from Camden, New Jersey, and what what really drew them to Brad and what made him a highly regarded receiver coming out of high school is he is he's a space guy. I mean, to be a bigger receiver at 6'2", 210, he has really good inline quickness. He's a shake-and-bake guy. So you can line him up. You can split him out wide, but you can also line him up, line him up in the slot. You know, he reminds me of Anquan Bolden in that regard. He is a playmaker. He just knows how to get open, and if you get him, get him in one-on-one situations, he's going he's gonna to get you yards after the catch. Now, he's not a burner, getting you back to that Anquan Bolden uh, comparison. I think he's, uh, you know, he's not a 4'8 guy like Anquan Bolden is now. Uh, but, you know, 4'6 range, that's him. He has good football speed. 
And then he, he's also physical. And the, the intriguing thing about him is I don't, you know, Michigan stayed with him. When when he had to go to prep school, they stayed with him. But, you know, there's always that that uncertainty uh, when when you go back, when you go back and, and get re-recruited, whether, you, you know, you're going to go and choose another school, if that school is going to recruit over you. I think where where both schools really, or both sides really came back together firmly was when Brad Hawkins' uh, prep school matched up with Tariq, Tariq Black School, and Brad Hawkins had a whale of a game. I think he had close to 150 yards receiving. I mean, he was the best player on the field. His team lost, but he was the best player on the field. And so uh, that's one that I think Michigan is really excited about because he's going to come in a little more seasoned. Uh, but then he also brings some versatility because – Brian Doan, who watched Brad Hawkins a lot in high school, told me when he was coming out, said, Sam, he's a good receiver, but I think he could be a better safety. So I, I think Michigan is cognizant of that flexibility, uh, knows that he can be a hitter as well. And based on how things shake out at receiver, uh, if the need presents itself and a kid is open to it, there's a chance you can maybe even see him on defense down the line. All right, Sam and Allen, one of the big concerns, I think, for a lot of Michigan fans is the offensive line because that was a part of the team that faltered a little bit for Michigan in certain spots, and then the depth behind it was always a concern, yeah. and we had some guys even move on who you thought might be part of that depth. So now it really looks like there would be a true freshman who's going to be in the mix at the minimum in the two deep coming up here. We've got some names to run through and some highly regarded names. So let's start with the guy that committed to Michigan at the Army Bowl and uh, tell us a little bit about our friend Chuck. Yeah, Chuck Filiaga is a kid who – uh, you know, they came from the Isle of Samoa to California. Uh, and one of the reasons why they came to to the States was because they realized that Chuck had an opportunity to do something special on the football field. And, uh, you know, they uh, they are transplants now from Florida and made it down to Alito, Texas. And his game has really blossomed. A very physical guy at 6'6", 335 pounds. And so just by virtue of that alone, he's going to be size-wise going to be in the, in the two deep. Uh, but he'll tell you he has some technical work to do uh, in pass pro, uh, and that's where that's where the coaching comes in. Uh, right tackle probably uh, to start, but he feels like he has left tackle potential as he hones his pass pro skills. That's what will determine whether he winds up on the other side of the line at left tackle. This is one of my favorite guys in the class, and it's Cesar Ruiz, uh, one of the other recruits out of IMG. By way of New Jersey, though, the New Jersey pipeline keeps pumping talent into Michigan. This seems like a guy that just kept rising up the recruiting rankings, Sam, and he seems to be a key for Michigan, especially projected to the center spot. He's the most ready. He's the most ready physically and mentally of all the linemen to come in and compete. Uh, he's another guy that initially hails from New Jersey, uh, from Camden, childhood friends uh, with with Brad Hawkins and Ron Johnson, who's already on campus, uh, knows all the Jersey guys. So there is a, a comfort level for Cesar Ruiz here. But you're talking about a kid that's, that's 6'3", 320, and can move, can really move, really, really good good quickness, which is important for a center, snapping the football and being able to get into a position to, to make blocks. But my my test of how – how good a center really can be, what his ceiling really is, is can he pull? I mean, the guy that 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 first brought that to my attention is a guy Allen could appreciate, a guy named Dermani Dawson back in the day for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was, was you know, I think he revolutionized the position because he could snap and get out 
and get around the corner and pull and not just, you know, get out there, but actually find people uh, to block. Well, Cesar Ruiz gives you that kind of that kind of athletic talent. Now, it, it's a it's a difficult position uh, to come in and, and play as a true freshman because you're making all the line calls as a center. So, you know, that's a, a huge leap for a freshman to make. But he's an early enrollee. Uh, so he's going to get a little more time in the offense. At the very least, if he's not your your center or in a, in a too deep at that position, he can be as guard, a, a guard. So he can play guard for a, a season if you want him to play there and get on the football field and then work his way in the center when that position comes open. Another guy out of Connecticut and somebody they discovered at one of their camps is Andrew Stuber. He's the biggest uh, guy in this class, 6'7", 290. And uh, what can you tell us about him, Sam? Yeah, I, I I remember them getting on Andrew Stuber in the spring and showing interest. He was a kid that was really recruited uh, pretty well along the eastern seaboard. And he expressed an interest in Michigan. The combination of academics and athletics kind of made it he was saying, you know, telling our guys, well, Michigan's my dream school. And coincidentally, that was around the time that Michigan got involved. It didn't take off until he came to camp. He came to camp and he showed that at at six, seven, two ninety, he can bend. He can, you know, he's a guy that can uh, you know, he's not a a, a guy that's a, a waist bender, he's a knee bender. He can he can get and play get in in a stance and play with great leverage. And so uh it it he he had some um, you know, some issues at times with a young fella that we're going to see down the line named Aiden Hutchinson uh, who beat him in, in some one-on-ones. But I think the coaches were really, really impressed with his natural athleticism. All you saw that day were technical flaws. And those are things that you can coach through and coach past. It says something to me that after seeing him on, on the field for an afternoon, Tim Drevno offered him a scholarship not long after that. That kid accepted. He'll have a chance to be in a two deep as a true freshman. But again, much like Chuck Filiaga, it's going to be a matter of how fast he can advance technically. For a little bit more insight from our East Coast friend, let's go to Brian Doan. Andrew Stuber never got a lot of ink. The number 24 offensive tackle in the 2017 class, number 248 prospect overall from Darien High School in Darien, Connecticut. Not a place that gets recruited heavily. You look at what Michigan did with getting a few guys from the Nutmeg State. But Stuber really improved. He's a big kid, 6'6", 290, moves very well. He can play guard. He can play right tackle. He can play left tackle. Very good footwork, a strong initial punch. He's really agile and light on his feet, really does a good job of moving his feet. For me, Michigan got a steal with him. A lot of people don't recruit Connecticut. Michigan did. It will pay off with Andrew Stuber. All right, so we go back to the state of Michigan, and uh, Jeraymond Hall from Oak Park, Sam and Allen, he was one of the early commits in this class. In fact, Allen, he was the third commit to Michigan's class and an early enrollee, so he's already on campus. Yeah, people got down on him, I think, a little bit late in this process. In fact, uh, I think we ended as the only service to keep him as a four-star prospect. That's a nod to all the people who say I have something against Michigan in the rankings, by the way. We kept him as a four-star. And I, I think part of that early commitment, people forget how good this kid was as a sophomore. At the time, I mean, you really looked at him as a national prospect, and he had all those offers to back it up. The guy really had one bad camp, one, and that was against Deron Irving, Irving Bay. Bay. Yeah. And everyone dropped him because of that. And I'm going, that other guy's pretty good. Maybe we should raise up the defensive lineman instead of dropping the offensive lineman. And then I went and saw Jeraymond play at Oak Park this year, and I thought he was outstanding. 
played left tackle, but uh, you know he's not quite as tall as some of those guys we just mentioned. So I think he's going to be able to slide inside. The guy is really physical, and uh, one of the guys that I really trust when it comes to offensive line evaluations, I sent him to, uh, I sent his film to, and he went, that guy is a monster. Um, he, he really, really added some size and some strength to his game. He was about, when Sam, when we first saw him, yeah. he couldn't have been much more than 250, right. if that. Now he's pushing 290, and he's on campus early. He's going through the workouts. I think he's going to be really good, and he's a guy who – I think for whatever reason, maybe it was the early commitment slid under the radar a little bit earlier this year. Well, that the fact happens that, when guys commit early. That that happens a lot of times. Well, and look, they Michigan only had so many early enrollee spots, so for them to have him come in, I think that says something right there. And we mentioned it being a position of need. I think he provides you some depth right away, and he's going to be a really good player. Let's uh, wrap up this offensive line uh, conversation with uh, Joel Honigford. A guy out of Ohio that had a lot of offers and a lot of interest. Tons and tons of offers coming in, and Michigan won the battle for him. A guy who I think is a little bit more developmental because he didn't see the level of competition in high school that he saw. You know, you look at him on film, and he's blocking a lot of guys that look like us, and he did what he was supposed to against those guys. He dominated those guys. He's just going to have to adjust to that level of competition. Um, Pass blocked some but maybe not quite as much as some of these other guys experience-wise. And so when he went to some of these camps at the national level and saw that level of competition, uh, he's another guy who maybe didn't do as well at some of those camps as you expected to looking at his offer list. But I think you have to remember in those situations that it's the kid's first time seeing some of those things, first time doing a one-on-one in some cases. And I did see Joel early in his career at the elite big man camp out here in Wixom. He came up to do that. And I thought he was really, really good at that camp. So a guy who is, I think, a really good redshirt candidate and a, and a kid who year two, year three, I think you'll see him really start to blossom. I know the coaches went and saw him play basketball recently, and he's a really good athlete on the basketball floor too. We are concentrating on people coming into this class, but Michigan fans always tracking players, especially guys like Taco Charlton, Chris Wormley, that are really rising their stock as the NFL draft approaches with their work in the postseason bowls. But you got to replace those guys too, Sam, and uh, that's not going to be an easy task coming from the the guys behind them. But also, there's some interesting names entering uh, the class here, and a lot of guys that could fit into a lot of different spots for Michigan. Yeah, one of them is Luigi Villain, and this is a kid uh, that we've been tracking as long as any kid on this, uh, you know, in this recruiting class, at least as far as the defensive line is concerned. First saw Luigi. Uh, prior to his sophomore year at Sound Mind, Sound Body. Uh, he was a lanky young kid, but you saw the natural pass rush skills. Uh, he, but you, you, anytime you're talking about a Canadian, you always wonder, you know, how how legit is is this kid? You don't have great, uh, great competition up there. You know, the, the football is a lot different. The training is a lot different. Well, you, you learned a lot about this young man when he came stateside. And, uh, you know, I think the, the people in his life, one of them, uh, his trainer, Victor Tadondo, uh, recommended that send him to the United States. Let him get some some high school coaching there. He's going to advance his game. And, boy, he was right. Kids up to 6'4", about 240. He went to the Under Armour All-American game. He was one of the best pass rushers in attendance. His get-off is outstanding. Uh, he has developed some counter moves as well. Uh, yeah, I think that for him – it was interesting to watch his progression during the week of practice because to start out, 
he was pretty nondescript. He was just one of the guys there. By the end of the week and into the game, it's like I said, now he's one of the best pass rushers on the football field. So that's one of the things that gives me uh, some confidence that, you know, of the guys on this list, of the of the defensive ends uh, in the class, he's the guy, I think, right now that has the best chance uh, of the defensive end prospects to come in and uh, and see some time as a true freshman. He isn't the only one that has a chance, but I think he has he has the best one to come in there and, uh, and, and compete as a true freshman. A guy that we're going to see move into that kind of defensive end spot is Corey Malone Hatcher, who's an interesting kid out of St. Joseph, Michigan. He was injured for most of his junior year. He played a lot of linebacker and tight end his senior year, Allen. But he was also a big recruiter and a guy that was trying to get people into this class. In fact, I was talking to him on the radio uh, last fall, and he's like, I'm getting Ambry Thomas to come to Michigan. And he's Mm -hmm. saying it. He was really excited about being a part of this class, and he tried his best to pull everyone to come along with him. And he got most of them, and so quite the person personality there but a kid who like you said was injured and at the time a lot of people asked he's getting all these offers he's about to commit to Michigan Michigan's clearly going after him very hard why is that because the film is so limited and I think it went back to him coming to camp two summers in a row and in front of Greg Madison really beating a lot of the top prospects at that camp Michael Jordan who started for Ohio State last year Liam Eichenberg who went to Notre Dame a couple other guys who were highly recruited and and Corey gave them everything they could handle at camp. I don't know if he lost a rep. I don't remember him losing them at those camp battles. So I think that really um, stuck in the head of Greg Madison. And at the time, with DJ Durkin's defense, they were recruiting him as a buck, kind of a stand-up kind of guy. And I think he can still do that in Don Brown's defense. But now you're talking about here, the kid is up to 270 in workouts, but they're going to try to cut him back down. He's done a lot of different things in the, at the high school level. He played middle linebacker. Saw them split him out and throw fades to him at times. He's he's a good athlete. Going to be able to drop into space some. But I think just, you know, and, and I've stressed this to a number of different kids, just let your body develop and see where it goes. He may not be a kid who can they can keep the weight off of him. He's a naturally big kid, naturally physical kid. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how he works into this whole rotation. I, to me, I think he's going to end up as more of potentially a strong side guy that you can drop from time to time, and Luigi's going to be your weak side guy. So I think those guys, initially when they were recruited, you kind of went, they're very similar, but I think that they're going to be able to complement each other very well. We head back to the East Coast. Quiddy Pay is a guy that Don Brown very familiar mm-hmm. with because he was formerly committed to Boston College. Now, Sam, he's heading to Michigan. Yeah, you know, Rhode Island is not a place where you typically uh, go to. If you think Connecticut's <laughs> barren, <laughs> right? Try you, recruiting Rhode Island. Yeah, where you go to see who the top prospects are. But this is a uh, this is a guy that Don Brown identified, a guy that he he feels will really fit into his defense, and it's a projection. This is a projection pickup. He's 6'3", 220, and super raw. We saw that down at the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, you you see the baseline talent, though. At 6'3", 220, he was an 11, 100-meter guy. So, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're that big and you're running the 100 meters in around 11 seconds, that's moving, man. And, and you're going to have to see, though, the development of not only his – his his football knowledge, but also you got to see him fill out physically. I, I think you're talking about a guy that's going to add 20, 25 pounds, uh, definite redshirt guy. Uh, it may be 
uh, you know, a couple of years before you see him make a real contribution. But it should speak to you that Don Brown looked at this guy and said, hey, I can really see this being a chess piece on my defense somewhere down the line. You just have to give it some, give him some time to mature. And the kid said as much. He said, you know, it's a huge leap for me uh, when we were down in Florida, a huge leap for me to be competing against these guys. Uh, but as I do, as I do compete with them, I'm feeling more comfortable with that comfort and with his physical maturation. I, got, I think you're going to see production come with it. For a little bit more on his game, let's head to our friend Brian Doan. Quiddy Pay is an interesting prospect, number 75 D-end in the class. He's out of Warwick, Rhode Island, originally committed to Boston College. Michigan wanted a guy that can get up the field quickly. Pay can do that, 6'3", 225, 230. He'll be able to get up the field, and he should be able to be a guy who can rush the pass or also drop him back into coverage. I think when you're looking at Pay, he is a guy that really needs to be coached up learn more technique. He plays hard. He plays physical. He's a strong guy. The second Michigan offered him, you knew he was going to decommit from Boston College and jump to the Wolverines. He's a guy that's really going to work hard. I look at him as a guy who, give him a year, maybe two years in the weight room and learn the system under Michigan, he could have a real solid career. Sam, one of the keys to this class and one of the big battles that Michigan won in this class was Aubrey Solomon, and it came down to the wire for them. I know you were in touch with different people in his circle. What really turned the tide, and what does this kid bring to Michigan? What turned the tide? I think, I I think you know, ironically, him saying some unflattering things about about Michigan on video. Why did that turn the tide? I think it gave him some perspective. Michigan made a mistake in his recruitment. Uh, sent him a letter thanking him for attending the barbecue, spelled his name wrong. He didn't attend the barbecue. His mom didn't attend the barbecue. Uh, and so I think that was something that stuck in his craw for for a while. Like, you know, this is a – don't know how to spell my name, thought I was here. I, you know, it's just a, a little thing seemingly, but it's something that, that bothered him. I think it wasn't necessarily a reason for him to decommit initially, but I think it was the 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 thing that pushed him over the top because I think the biggest factor – was mom wasn't with him when he came up in June and committed. So all of the 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 interactions that he had in person, he had to tell her about. She didn't have personal experience. So as the recruiting process was going on and other coaches were telling her, you know, negative things about Michigan, how was she to know that those things were false? And then when you when you compound that with, all right, so now they are you know, they aren't necessarily detail oriented because they are, you know, welcoming him, you know, thanking him for a barbecue. And it just pushed it over the top. How do you turn it around? So he made a mistake with that video and was very apologetic about it. And I think that was one of the things that gave him some perspective to say, hey, you know, once you make a mistake, it's about how you respond to it. And Michigan did a great job responding to that. And then the other piece was they got mom on board. So mom didn't have an experience with Michigan until she came up for the official visit. When she came up for the official visit, uh, it was a layered, I'll call it attack, uh, because you had the football piece, but she was very interested in how they were going to cultivate him away from the field. So you had the coaches showing their care for the student athletes, but you also had people like uh, their director of counseling and associate athletic director Greg Harden, who spent a lot of time, you had the team mom, and director of player development for Michigan, uh, and Gwen Bush, who they call Mama Gwen. I think she really connected with him, made him feel like 
He had a mom away from home. You had Devin Bush, who uh, mom really connected with as well. And he was kind of the no-nonsense guy away from the football field that she really identified with that would challenge her son in a, in a, in a, in a direct sort of way. There was no beating around the bush with Devin Bush. I think she appreciated all the people around the, the coaching staff that were de- there to support uh, Aubrey. And then last but not least, the impact program, the academic program that they have in place for Michigan, the internship layer that's built in. I think that completely set Michigan apart in her eyes. And once you got mom on board with him, remember when he decommitted, he said, I'm going to defer a lot of this to my mom. I'm going to let her lead the way. So when you when mom said Michigan was number one on her on her list, I think that tipped the scales in Michigan's favor. So what does he bring to the field? Because obviously he's an impact guy. He's, he's a stud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's big time, man. You're talking about a guy that's 6'5", 300 pounds, super strong. I, I think that I was impressed to see his off-snap quickness. I mean, you know, a guy that big that can move that well, he can play up and down the line, he can play off blocks, He's a guy that has pass rush skills. You know, I I, I found it. I, I almost laughed, and he said, "Man, I got to develop my pass rush." And he said, "I got to develop moves." And I was watching him. Da- I went down to a game in in uh, Leesburg, Georgia. I saw him all week at the Army All American game, and I saw the guy rush the passer with with ease. He could shoot a gap. Uh, he can. He can. He does well with his hands, and that maybe is the place where he's been. He's shown the most progress. More violent with his hands. Uh, he had a nice swim move. He can rip. He can get upfield. Uh, if he needs to improve that, it's like, wow, man, this guy is going to be – he's going to be a real, real uh, menace along the defensive line. So, for, for Michigan, he is a day-one contributor. He is a guy that they can plug in in the two deep, and he can back up on the inside, whether it be uh, Brian Monet or Mohurst. He can come in and spell those guys, and the drop-off won't be precipitous because even as a true freshman – that guy's going to be able to – he is a grown man as a young man, and he'll be able to show that on the field right away. A like lot we, like what we saw with Rashawn Gary this year, right? I was just going to say that. We saw Rashawn last year. I saw Dexter Lawrence at the Army All-American Bowl. We saw Khalil McKenzie the year before. Look, the gap between those guys and Aubrey Solomon is not very large. There may be none at all. He, I mean, he finished as our number 11 player in the country. Those guys were all up in the top five, but I think he is – just as talented as any defensive tackle that we've seen in those spots. Maybe the one little difference is playing uh, at the high school that he played at. Didn't see the same level of competition as maybe some of those other guys saw, but at the Army All-American Bowl week, he was blowing past everybody that they put in front of him. Just needs to work on some of those tools when he has to disengage from an offensive lineman because I don't think the guys he played against ever really got enough of a hand on him to where he had to fight those guys off, but his ability to get off the football, there's a couple of clips that were shared on Twitter and uh, on his huddle where it looks like he's in fast forward. Yeah, and here's the thing. I, I, I used this this description last year when we talked about Rashawn Gary. His, his, one of the things that, made, that makes Rashawn Gary special is his motor. He just does not quit. And so I, I call motor guys try-hard guys. And, and a lot of times you'll have a try-hard guy that isn't super talented. Uh, but then you might have a super talented guy that doesn't give you that effort. That that's not a tryhard guy. Much like Rashawn Gary is is a you know a a a super talented guy that's also tries hard. Arby Solomon is the same way. Super talented, but is also a tryhard guy. 
outstanding work ethic. That's one of the things you really appreciate for him. He really wants to get better and is willing to work at it. As we move through the list of these defensive linemen, guys, uh, Michigan, Michigan State battles happen all the time, especially in-state. But here's one that Michigan won for James Hudson out of Toledo Catholic Central. And uh, Alan Size, he's got it, 6'5", 280. This dude is big. Yeah, and he wasn't always that big, and he was an edge guy at first when he start, first started getting recruited. So we had him as a three-star edge guy because you compared him to guys like Luigi Villain and Corey Malone Hatcher, and he didn't quite have the same explosiveness as those guys when you looked at him as a pass rusher. But then he added that size, really embraced playing inside, and you started to see a kid who you went, well, that, that kid could be a real asset on the interior. And I actually compare him to another guy who came out of Toledo, Chris Wormley, who was also a defensive end when we saw him, also a good athlete, but also a guy who who ended up moving inside. And interior guys typically a little bit shorter, a little bit stockier. Well, Chris played inside and did it extremely well at a six five six six height because he could bend and he could get he could still get the kind of pad level you needed to play inside. And I think James is going to play that same position, and I think he can do it really well. I think. Combined the last couple, I think the kid had over 60 tackles for losses, junior and senior years combined. Just a dominant player for a really good high school. And so uh, we ended up moving him up to a four-star as a defensive tackle. Thought it was almost done to Michigan State for a couple of days. Michigan came back in, got in on him again, uh, got him to campus, and got him to commit. Another, well, this was an actual flip, though Mm -hmm. Hudson didn't commit to Michigan State, but a guy that kind of came out of nowhere to me, Sam, because he's committed to Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. was Donovan Jeter, who then decommits, commits to Michigan, talks about how great it is, and now he's in early and on campus. Yeah, and one of the things that really stood out to him is the lack of pretense with with Jim Harbaugh. He he just said he's a a down-to-earth guy. He's he's approachable. He he just felt a, a connection with him instantly. Uh, and and Michigan got an assist. I mean, you know, the the turmoil in South Bend, and they fired their defensive coordinator. All of those things contributed uh, to Michigan having an opportunity, and it also gave Michigan a longer time to really evaluate Donovan. You're talking about a kid uh, at six six two sixty five is a really really good athlete, an inside out. He, he he'll be an inside out kind of guy, kind of like Chris Wormley, a guy who who could I think. Uh, play inside at Michigan at some point when he adds some more weight to his frame. Don't know where he's going to park it long term, uh, but was impressed with with how physical he is as a defensive end. You you really got a great feel for his athleticism when he plays tight end. Uh, he was terrific as a pass catcher, not just as a blocker as well. And then you know you look at his bloodlines. His brother Sheldon Jeter is a is a uh, is is on the Pittsburgh basketball team. So you you know that athleticism. Much like we said with McCaffrey, athleticism rolls through, you know, flows through this kid's veins. Right now, the reason why I think Luigi Villain is 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 the guy that has the the best shot at immediate uh, contribution is because he is a pure pass rusher. Luigi is a pure pass rusher. Donovan is more of a he's he's more physical. He's not quite the pass rusher that Luigi Villain is right now. Uh, I think you're going to see with with time as he develops some more some more technique. That's going to be something that he adds to to the puzzle. But if nothing else, like I said, inside-out versatility, a guy who can line up a defensive end, when he adds 20, 25 pounds, he's going to be able to line up a defensive tackle as well uh, and really, really, I think, be a, a contributor for Michigan there. 
Michigan also crushing it with guys with hyphenated last names. Seems <laughs> if you had one, you were interested in going to Michigan. Darren Irving Bay, yeah. he's coming out of Flint Southwestern, and uh, Alan, like you said, showed up at camp and really impressed people to the point where you think maybe this guy deserves some pub, and then earned the invite to the Army All American. Uh, game there. I mean, it's hard to say you're concerned about level of competition in the state of Michigan, but where he was playing, there was some talk about, you know, okay, who's he matching up against? But this is another get that Michigan took away from Michigan State. Yeah, and, and a few other schools. You know, he was a guy like you said. The trajectory was going up and up and up with him, and and at camp he really flashed lots of ability. I wouldn't say even flashed. He showed lots of ability there, and when you saw him in games, a lot of the time this year. Um, his team didn't do very well. I think they won maybe one game. And so you were looking for flashes out of him, and he flashed that. Talent, uh, athleticism is there. Went down to the U.S. Army All-American Bowl and had a really good week of practice there. Picked up on a lot of the things that they were teaching him technically, which is going to be important for him because he's going to need to do that going forward. I think when you watched him down there, that was a kid where, you know, some of these kids from all around the country, they've done these things, no big deal to them. School, they've had uh, other guys from their school play in that game. For him, it was truly a reward, and he took in everything. You could tell it meant something to the kid, and he played like it at the Army All-American Bowl. So uh, I know he's considered a little bit more of a developmental guy, maybe not uh, an early playing time kind of guy, but with his physical skills, I think if the light bulb comes on early, he could surprise people as the guy who gets onto the field early. Yeah, I tell you what, I think, uh, you know, in the ante- certainly along the defensive line, but, you know, Looking at the entire class, his upside is as as high as as any. I mean, I I think this kid has a chance to be a true playmaker for Michigan on on the defensive line. Uh, you know, in comparing him to Donovan Jeter, for instance, I mean, Deron Irving Bay, uh, I think is 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 a natural pass rusher from a speed perspective. He has great get off. It would remind you on the roster, his get off is is like Mo Hurst. It's like Mike Dwumfer. I mean. It, off snap quickness is off the charts. What he doesn't have, uh, he is not as technically as advanced as Donovan Jeter. You know, he doesn't play off blocks as well as Donovan Jeter, and Donovan Jeter has some work to do with technique. So I, I mentioned that to say that Deron is further away. He doesn't have any counters right, any counter moves, counter pass rush moves right now. He, you know, needs to build strength. He hasn't been in a serious uh, weight program, so he doesn't have a bull rush that's really effective right now. It's all speed. It's speed at 6'5", 270. Speed and quickness at 6'5", 270. But it's all speed for that guy. But when you put some more with it, like Allen said, man, uh, this kid has a chance. And uh, You look at all the kids in the class. This, this kid has a chance to be one of the most, most impactful guys in the class. And we don't really know what he is yet. He could mm-hmm. be an end. Could be a tackle. He could be, you know, that under tackle. He could be the three. He could be the strong side. And he mm-hmm. really could play the anchor, the weak side. He could play a lot of different things. It all kind of depends on his body. Let's stay in the state of Michigan, and uh, hopefully nobody strikes a deer while we're talking about this guy, as poor Allen did on the way to one of his games. <laughs> Phil Paella of Berrien Springs. He was a linebacker at one point, but now he's 6'4", 270, so he is not a linebacker anymore. But, Allen, when you finally did safely get to one of his contests, what did you see from him? Well, I saw a guy that you said used to play linebacker and uh, he ran a little bit like that deer that ran into my car. You know, he, there was one play that in particular that stood out to me where they let him come up field on a screen pass. He's almost to the quarterback. The screen pass goes to the outside. And he runs that guy down to the sideline. You just don't see guys 
um, with that kind of athleticism a lot. And, and you know, Bering Springs, I think they were ended up as a Division Five school, so he didn't play tons and tons of top competition. Um, but I think there's incredible physical tools there. Uh, obviously, a kid he he comes from that Polynesian type pipeline. And, uh, you know, all of the stereotypes that go along with being a Polynesian defensive lineman, he fits them. The guy plays really, really hard. He's really strong. But I think... Um, awesome hair. Great hair. <laughs> yeah. Lo- he led the haka when I was out there, which was a great thing to see. But, uh, you know, you saw a kid that was built like a defensive tackle that stood up for his team. He played on the edge, played stand-up outside linebacker for them. So, um, like Irving Bay, might take a year, might take two years, might even be eventually an offensive lineman even though he wants to play defense and uh, but I think the kid has a lot of athletic gifts and and another kid who had tons and tons of offers he he, about for about three weeks there it seemed like he picked up an offer every day let's talk about Ben Mason and at 6'3 240 you like the size uh you like the tenacity Sam but where does he fit in this class and I don't know if you can really answer that Uh, TBD to be determined I don't think that they know for sure yet uh, credit to the kid that he's he's showed a willingness to do whatever the team needs. But, uh, you know, he could be a linebacker. He's a guy, a high IQ guy, high football IQ guy, does a great job of, of reading his keys, very physical, more of a two-down linebacker, not a guy uh, in coverage that, that you really look to. At defensive end, uh, you can see him maybe con- con- contributing there, but he would need to add significant weight to do that. Personally, the the position I think he he probably translates to uh, the best or the 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 move that I think is the most obvious is fullback. Uh, you know he he's going to give you that that jackhammer at the fullback spot. Uh, you know he is a guy that uh, you know I think is from from a a you know when you look at his feet and his ability to move, I think he's going to be able to get out uh, in in pass patterns and catch a few passes as well. I think that's where his value is really going to come. Again, that doesn't mean that he can't play linebacker, that he couldn't add bulk and be a defensive end. I just think right now the most obvious position for him is fullback. That's where I think he'll wind up at the end of the day. Well, they could use him too because Khalid Hill will be gone and Pogia will be gone, and you've seen what those kind of tight end type of build guys have done in this Michigan offense. They've been very, very successful, so it would be great if Mason was able to replicate that. Speaking of the backfield, let's touch on running backs. Davion Smith is gone. There is some depth behind him. They're adding more depth with guys coming into this class. Omari Samuels, it was someone that was once again coming out of a place that didn't have a lot of football talent, New Mexico. And uh, it, it was kind of a, a little bit, I think, of a, a travel for Michigan as they finally get him on campus and solidify things with him. But just looking at pitchers and, and some of the things that he does, Sam, I think he's lifted before. The guy, <laughs> the guy yeah. might have seen the inside of a gym. Yeah, he is a physical specimen. There's, there's, he's a grown man already. I mean, there's, there's no. I mean, I, I looked like that there, coming out of high school, but just not anymore. Yeah, I, I say I use the you know the, t- the phrase physical maturation a lot now with this guy. Uh, he doesn't need to add anything else uh, physically to the to the equation. Um, coming out of New Mexico, and Michigan has shown a willingness here over the years. A couple of years, about you know uh, you know fifteen years ago, Allen Branch they went in and got him from New Mexico. Uh, you know, a an under the radar athlete, Zach Gentry, uh, when Harbaugh first got here, a quarterback that can can run a, at six seven and about two fifteen can run a four five four six forty. 
an under-the-radar athlete, and Omari Samuels, another under-the-radar athlete, the top athlete in the country, according to Spark Rating. I mean, you, you talk about your, your, your shuttle, your 40, your vertical, you know, all of the ingredients that, that lend themselves or go into that rating. He came out with the top one uh, in the spring, and that's what earned him an invite to the opening. I, I, he's a, a power back that can run away from people. Uh, you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot of side-to-side in Omari Samuels' game. He's shown the ability to catch the football out of the backfield as well. Uh, the question I have with him is how will he do in a, in a true downhill scheme that's going to be uh, an adjustment for him, and then the, lo- the level of competition. I mean, you're stepping up from New Mexico to big-time college football. All of these guys have a leap. His leap is going to be bigger. Now, that doesn't mean he can't he won't be able to traverse it because he is a really, really talented guy. Uh, it just might take a little time for him to to adjust to the level of competition uh, before he starts to make the, the the impact that his physical ability suggests he's capable of. Kurt Taylor is the other member of this running back class at five foot eight, one ninety seven. I think the term bowling ball applies to this guy's game. You know, Jim Harbaugh compared him to Frank Gore. Now, you know that's a lofty comparison, but I get why. You get a guy that that runs a really good vision. He does not go down with first contact. He runs through arm tackles. He has deceptive speed, uh, and and then like I said, you know, I talk about you know a, a guy who's five eight and however many pounds. Uh, I mean, he he falls forward all the all the time. So not only does he run through arm tackles, like I said, but you know once you once you get get him stopped or think you got him corralled, he's going to get an extra yard or two. I, I think the the thing that that maybe. Uh, they appreciate the most is this guy. I don't think there's a guy in the class that wanted Michigan more than Kurt Taylor. I mean, he when when Michigan came on the scene for him, that's where he wanted to be. He's been one of the most active guys and 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 you know trying to lure guys into the fold for Michigan as well. He's a program guy. He is a program player in this class. Smart kid too. I think those are the kind of traits. You know, aside from the the football piece that I think made him appealing to Michigan. Let's talk a few more secondary guys as uh, we do have to look to see what's going to happen for Michigan as Jordan Lewis and Delano Hill have moved on. And uh, let's start with a guy, Alan, that th- another Canadian, really, and someone that a couple years ago Michigan got in on because of a camp but didn't know where he would classify, and it looks like he's ended up in the 2017 class. Yeah, he was there at camp and a guy that, you know, I think repeatedly during the camp, everybody kind of went, where are you from? Where are you from? In old Montreal, not a not a place that was on the path. But um, Michigan has traditionally had a several-day camp. And as recruiting has changed, they've kept that format, but kids often just pop in for a day, especially the top guys. Well, this was a kid that stayed every day. And the more that they saw him, the more that they went, this is a guy that can play for us. And uh, six foot three, can't teach that, mm-hmm. can't teach his wingspan, and watching him move around at the opening, he's not a big, tall, stiff guy at all. He's a very fluid athlete. Um, Going to get some comparisons to Jeremy Clark. I think those are valid. I think uh, another camp discovery was Channing Stribling. I think he can have kind of the same progression. He had a couple of schools come in late on him, like Virginia Tech, stuck with Michigan. Uh, a developmental guy, I think people are going to expect him to play right away because he's big and he's fast, but he's going to need to adjust to a few things. 
But a couple years down the line, I think it took uh, Jeremy Clark a few years. Stribling played a little bit earlier. But I think a couple years down the line, Benjamin St. Juiced on one side, Ambry Thomas on the other side. That sounds like a pretty good combination. Well, six foot on one side and St. Juice is six foot three. I mean, he's built like a safety, but they're talking corner, but maybe he does end up at safety wherever there's a need, I think. Yeah, possible that he winds up at safety, but when you have a guy who who is as fluid as this kid is, very loose hips, a great hip fluidity, really good change of direction, he doesn't play six three. You think guys that long are, are going to struggle with change of direction, are going to struggle in bump and run coverage. And that's not this guy. And if you can have a guy that long at the corner position, you kind of want him there. So I, I think that the the default is corner. But as you said, if there's a need, then he certainly has the ability to play another position. Jameric Woods is another member of this class. Uh, I think you could call him a, a satellite camp casualty, somebody that they went down into Florence, Alabama, and then the SEC tried to get him back, but he remains at Michigan, Sam. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, so they, they did a great job of identifying him early. Uh, Michigan was his first big offer, uh, and a lot of big offers came after that. I know Ole Miss tried late to lure him away. For instance, they might have been the biggest threat down the stretch, but Michigan jumping in first. I mean, the only Power 5 school that came before Michigan was Kentucky, but big-time Power 5, uh, Michigan was first. You're talking about a kid at 6'4 and about 200 pounds. That is a – you know, he's a poor man's Ernest Shazor. He is a – he's a thumper, physical, box-type safety. He's a taller guy, and you might, you might, you know, think that that makes him more of a center fielder, but he's a guy that, that's contact-driven. He's a guy that, that coverage is going to be – the part of his game that really evolves. I think if if you're looking for him as a freshman, I think where they're going to be really um, uh, where they're going to be really satisfied with where he's at is as a tackler. He is a short tackler, a fierce tackler, not shy about contact. Where he's going to need to grow is, as I said, in pass coverage, uh, not only with with uh, zone awareness, but also in in one on one skills. I think. What the versatility that we saw Michigan show defensively this year, where they would walk a safety down in the slot uh, to cover a slot man to man, and and they you know at points in the season it didn't matter if it if you were if you were uh, slot to one side and Delano was on that side he would he would go up and cover the slot if it was the other side then Demonte Thomas would go up and cover the slot they had a lot of versatility that way this is not that guy this is more of a of a run-stuffing, physical type of safety that with some time, maybe you can see him be a center fielder. Maybe you can see his, his safety skills evolve like an Ernest Shazor. But, again, you, you, you saw Ernest. You know, a lot of people were saying, hey, maybe a linebacker. I could see that maybe even in Jameric Woods' future because he's that physical as a safety and is that sure a tackler. And, uh, you know, I, I think he has the frame to put on that kind of weight if they decide they want to go that route. All right, we've talked a lot about this class. Alan, tell me a little bit about who you think could be playing early, whether it's a depth thing, a talent thing. Who are some of the guys that you guys believe will see the field early on for Michigan? I think there are a lot of guys. It's going to be a young team, and I think there's some opportunity there. We talked about Peoples-Jones and Ambry, obviously, but uh, I think Cesar Ruiz has a great shot to play center and allow Michigan to move some things around on the offensive line. I think Josh Ross has a really great shot. And, you know, at this time last year, if you had asked us this, we wouldn't have said Chris Evans. So if there's a guy like that out there, uh, if I'm going out on a limb, I could see Andrew Stuber trying to get in the mix because 
there's a need at offensive line. He's going to come in six foot seven, two hundred ninety pounds. Filiaga is going to come in big, but I think Stuber might be a little bit ahead technically. So if there's a surprise guy out on the field there next year, him possibly another defensive lineman as well. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, outside of the obvious guys, you know, the big time, you know, top fifty headliner guys, uh, Jalen Kelly Powell has a great shot. Uh, you, you're talking about a guy that's an early enrollee and could factor in at two great positions of need. Michigan needs a, a, a replacement at Viper. Uh, he's a kid that. In, in coverage scenarios at that position can really be valuable. But Michigan is is really down at, at safety uh, when it comes to coverage ability at the position. Tyree Kennel is there and is going to be the quarterback of the defense. But after that, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. You got a guy like Khalid Hudson that's here already, Josh Metellus that's here already, but those guys are more, more run-oriented safeties, guys that are better uh, in the box. Jalen Kelly Powell could factor in there. I think Luigi Villain, I talked a lot about it. You lost a lot of pass rushing. Now, Michigan's front line, as, a, as, as far as their first string is concerned, is going to be really, really good. But what made them special last year is they could roll a second string line in that could start on many other lines, and they could really get after the passer. Remember, Chase Winovich wasn't a starter, but he was an instant pass rush guy when he came off the bench. I think Luigi Villain can give you some of that. I agree with Allen. I think Cesar Ruiz is a guy that you you expect to be in the two deep, uh, even if it's not at center. And I could understand the reluctance to put him at center because of the responsibility that that, that guy has. It, it's beyond just himself. you got to make the calls for everyone else. But he could really be a factor at guard. Let's say, for instance, you want to play uh, Ben Bredesen at tackle. And who are you going to slide into that guard spot that he vacates? Cesar Ruiz could very well be that guy. He's on campus as an early enrollee. He's physically ready. He's a, you know, another guy with a good IQ. He's used to playing great competition at IMG. There are a lot of things that make me think that he's another guy that could really factor in early uh, for this team. There's some big coaching changes this year in the assistant level. We saw Jed Fish head to UCLA, Tyrone Wheatley back to the NFL with the Jaguars. That means Pep Hamilton comes in, which I'm just wondering, when is the next million-dollar opening being posted? Because I need to get my resume ready. So you got Pep coming in, and he's going to be kind of taking over what Jed Fish did, Sam. And then also uh, Coach Frey coming back, a holdover. Well, not a holdover. Someone that's coming back from when Rich Rodriguez was here and somebody that I know you were really high on as an addition to staff. So talk about these guys and what they're going to kind of bring to the table and some of the shifts that happened with the uh, Harbaugh staff. So, you know, I, I... I think I think Pep. You got to remember with Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton at one time was the hottest assistant coach in the NFL. He was looked at, uh, you know, as a candidate for a lot of head coaching jobs, including Michigan. And he was on Michigan's radar as a replacement for Brady Hoke. So I mean, this this is a, a guy when you look at his background, working with Jim Harbaugh and then helping nurture quarterbacks like Andrew Luck. So he's worked with big time pro style passers. In his in his uh, in his history, I think that translates well. As far as what what changes he will make offensively, you got to remember this is Jim Harbaugh's offense. So th- there are parameters that guys operate under. I-, I don't think the the offense will will change a ton uh, from an approach standpoint. With one exception that I'm going to get to coming up, based on something Jim Harbaugh said. But uh, if if you want to. If there's something unique that he's going to bring to the table, I think that maybe uh, talking to some coaches, maybe a few more deep shots, uh, 
uh, that, that he'll dial up in the passing game. And then there is there is one thing that could be significant. So let me take that back. Jim Harbaugh has talked to recruits about them being employing a, a little more spread uh, to their arsenal. So uh, and that also plays into into Greg Fry coming up, but a little more spread, getting a little more, uh, you know, four wides out there and throwing it around the yard a little bit. Now Michigan's going to remain a gap scheme team, a a a run first team, but diversifying the passing attack, I think he can help with that. And then getting to to Fry. The, the job that they've done running the football at Indiana has been nothing short of fantastic. Now, they are a, a, a spread option at times uh, when they have a quarterback that can do that, but a zone running team. And this is a guy that has been able to take, uh, you know, undersized guys, build them up, and use their athleticism uh, to really allow his linemen to play well in space, get to the second level and find blockers. I think with Michigan maybe employing a little more zone blocking in the run game, uh, bringing that into the equation, he could help with that. Uh, and then with with some of the gun run principles that we saw down in Indiana, they are a great team and have been a great team running the football from shotgun formations. He can add some of that versatility to Michigan as well. Look, I think by and large the offense will look the same, but there will be some tweaks, some more spread, uh, some more zone running uh, options there, and then also some more gun run options in there to to accent some of the things we've seen them do offensively. Well, and Alan, you were covering things when Fry was with Rodriguez here. From a recruiting standpoint, what do you know about him? Well, I think he's a great evaluator. I think he had to be at Indiana where you weren't going to get five-star guys necessarily. He took Jason Spriggs, three-star tight end, turned him into an NFL offensive tackle, took Dan Feeney, who had two offers, I think, from the Big Ten Indiana and Illinois coming out of high school. He's about to potentially be a first-round pick. Took Coy Cronk last year, who was a high school middle linebacker, and then he started at offensive tackles, a true freshman for Indiana. So I think more so than just recruiting prowess on the trail, the guy really knows talent. He identified Jake Fisher really early, mm-hmm. had him committed to Michigan, and uh, ended up, you know, Jake ended up going to Oregon after the coaching change. But he also developed the guys Michigan had on the roster: uh, Taylor Luan, Michael Schofield, Patrick Omami, Patrick Omami, Dave Mulk. All of those guys went to the pros, and those were all Fry uh, developmental guys. So I think he's he's done a really good job there. It's got some ties down to Florida that he's going to be able to flex a little bit on the recruiting trail as well. All right, gentlemen, as we are wrapping things up here in 2017, it's time to look ahead to 2018. (laughs) Sam, you have seen the complexion of this class. What are some of the priorities that, you know, Michigan will be focusing on as they get back on the recruiting trail for 2018? Uh, Two jump out at me. Huge. Offensive tackle. That will be a huge priority uh, coming up in the next class. Uh, If you talk about misses in 2017, there are none. There was there wasn't one bigger, literally or figuratively, than Isaiah Wilson. I mean, you're talking about a kid that was, you know, six seven, three sixty, uh, that played with great athleticism and power, and it looked like he was on his way to Michigan. That was a big miss uh, for the Wolverines. They need to replenish uh, their their tackle ranks, and particularly a a prototype left tackle. I think will be a major priority, and then the safety position. Uh, that is one that certainly Michigan has they, – they have some options on the roster. Uh, they have some guys that they can move to the position. But I think on the recruiting trail, they really need to to replenish the kind of versatility that we just saw them lose. And I kind of described it. You had safeties that 
you trusted in man coverage. And I don't know that Michigan has that right now. So I, I think they're going to go out and really search for that. Those are the two that really jump out in a huge way to me. Again, offensive tackle and safety. Alan, where do you think Michigan will be looking? And maybe where are some spots in the state of Michigan that they could be looking? Well, it looks like they're not going to have a tight end in this class. So bringing in a tight end, I think, is, is a good bet. I don't know that there's going to be many in the Midwest that they'll go after, but I know that they've got uh, quite a few guys outside the region. Will Mallory, a kid uh, who I think is a legacy guy, Jeremy Ruckert from out there on the East Coast, Mustafa Muhammad. They've got a few options there. It's not going to be as strong of a year in the state, but I think the Midwest is pretty good as a whole. The in-state guys to know, Aiden Hutchinson from Divine Child, legacy guy, Kalon Gervin, cornerback at Cast Tech, um, Colin Demons, uh, older brother Kenny, played at Michigan. Marquand McCall is right now our top guy in the state, tore his ACL this year, but I think uh, assuming that he comes back healthy from that, he's going to finish as our top guy in the state there. They're still going after Ovi Ahufo, who is uh, committed to Notre Dame, linebacker from Farmington Hills Harrison. There's still contact with him, and I think you'll find a couple other guys pop up that they'll offer. Marquis Stepp is a the kid they're going to keep recruiting, a running back from Indianapolis, even though he's committed to Notre Dame. His teammate, Emil Akir, is one of the two guys already committed in the class for next year, so they're going to keep going after Marquis. And then I know one spot that people keep asking me about, how come Michigan doesn't recruit Ohio more? Well, they've started to dip into that more in the 2018 class. Dallas Gant, a linebacker, Alan Gant's cousin, that they're recruiting. And then Tyreek Smith is a defensive end that they just offered out of Cleveland. So it's going to be there's going to be some talent in the Midwest for them to go after. But as, as usual in these next few, as the first few classes under Jim Harbaugh, I think they're going to go anywhere and everywhere to fill out the class needs. That's all for us on the Michigan Insider Signing Day special. Alan True from Scout.com, Sam Webb. Sam, as people continue to want to uh, find the latest information on what's happening in Michigan, where can they find your stuff? The MichiganInsider.com, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can find the latest and the greatest on football and or basketball recruiting on the MichiganInsider.com. And he's going to Rome, so make sure you follow that. <laughs> I knew he would. I even texted you that he was going to find a way out there. It's, uh, this is for uh, coverage purposes, correct? Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I'd be lying to you. If I, it's, it's a job now. I don't get you know overly excited about a lot of things uh, that have to do with the job anymore, but this. I'm definitely excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at SamWeb77, at Alan True. You can find me, at Terp himself. I'm Ryan Terpstra for Sam Webb and Alan True. Thanks for listening to the Michigan Insider Signing Day Special.